Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be when you are hearing this. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's edition of Bible Bites. I trust that these are being a blessing to you each and every day as we just read through the scriptures and see what God might be speaking to us from his word daily. I'm encouraging you to continue every day to read the word of God and see if God might be able to speak to you something fresh each and every day. I pray that God blesses you through these messages and as you go after him and read his word. Today for my reading, it's found in 1 Chronicles chapter 22 through 24. And so I wanted to point out a few things here that I feel like the Lord put in my heart. First of all, in chapter 22, and that's the main one that we'll be um, bringing a good bit of information from, but in chapter 22, verse 1 through 4, we see how um, David does, in fact, buy this threshing floor. We saw that in the end of 21, but here we see that he did, in fact, devote it as the field for the Lord. It was the devoted field for God's house to be built upon. And so it became the Temple Mount, which we hear about and, and know about today. The Temple Mount is on is built on this old threshing floor of Ornan. Notice also how David prepared before his death for the work to continue after him. He invested during his life into the preparations and into um, his son Solomon so that he would be helped to actually be prepared for the work and have the provisions necessary for the work. I want to read verse 5 first of chapter 22. And it says, Now David said, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced, and the house, listen to this, this is David's heart, and the house to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, famous and glorious throughout all countries. I will now make preparation for it. So David made abundant preparations before his death. And it just hit me here how he's, he's so in love with God. He's so in love with the Lord, and he wants, he wants to do him honor. So in his heart of hearts, it's just bursting forth, and he's telling them, he's like, hey, my son, my son Solomon's young. He's got to have help, but I want this, this house that's built for the Lord to be exceedingly magnificent, famous, and glorious, throughout all countries. In other words, spare no expense. I want it to be the best of anything across the world because God is worthy of that. He is the worthy one. Hallelujah. And so I love that when David does that. And then in verse 6 through 10, we see David's charge to Solomon. He, he now turns to Solomon and he begins to give him a charge about doing this work. And to be encouraged and, and um, be strengthened and let him be um, ready to do this work. And I wanted to just read just a small portion of this, verse 9 and 10. It says this, uh, he's talking to Solomon. I mean, he's talking about Solomon in the first part. He says, behold, this is from the Lord, the word of the Lord to David. Behold, a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest. 
And I will give him rest from all his enemies all around. His name shall be Solomon, taken from Shalom for peace. For I will give peace and quietness to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I will be his father. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now, I want you to see something here in um, in Hebrew understanding of the Hebraic writings of the scriptures, especially in prophetic words like this, they can speak, they have a dual meaning, in other words. They can speak prophetically of something in the, in the current time or something in the near future, and then they can also speak of something in the far off, very distant future. And so we see that here because verse 9 and 10 here are not only speaking of Solomon, the next, the, the son of David that he was talking to, but they are also prophetic about the coming son of David, Jesus Christ, who is God's son and who will have a kingdom reign of peace. It's called the thousand year reign of Christ in the book of Revelation. And he's talking about how he will build a house, which is exactly what Zechariah tells us. I believe it's in Zechariah six thirteen. He's going to build the temple of the Lord, just like Ezekiel, the millennial temple, talks about in several of Ezekiel's chapters. And he will be God's son and God will be the father. God is going to give him the kingdom forever and ever. And that coincides with what Daniel prophesied and also some writings in the New Testament. So this is not just speaking of Solomon, but it's also prophetic of the eternal son of God who will come, who is also a son from David's line. And we see that both in the genealogies of Christ listed in Matthew and in Luke and both of those are very important. Uh, each of them do different things, and they tell us about the two sides or the two descendant, the two descendants of of David that come together as husband and wife, and the Son of God, who is also that Son of David, comes through them, and that's Mary and Joseph of Nazareth. In verse eleven through thirteen, we see the blessing that David gives to Solomon. And the charge about the work. And I want to read that to you as well, 11 through 13. He says this, Now, my son, may the Lord be with you, and may you prosper and build the house of the Lord your God, as he has said to you. Only may the Lord give you wisdom and understanding and give you charge concerning Israel, that you may keep the law of the Lord. In other words, obey the Lord, because the very next verse says, Then you will prosper. If you take care to fulfill the statutes and judgments with which the Lord charged Moses concerning Israel, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Now, where have we read those scriptures or those same words before? That takes us all the way back to Joshua chapter 1 and to the last chapters of Deuteronomy where Moses told Joshua some of these very same words. And then in Joshua chapter 1, the Lord himself comes to Joshua and tells him some of these very same words. He talks about the book of the law not departing from Joshua's mouth, and that after he meditates in it, and he obeys it, and he sets his heart to do it, then he will prosper. And it's the same kind of word here, beloved. It's important for us to receive the word of God, the whole of the scriptures, and then to um, obey them and to honor God 
in those. And when we do that, he will grant us prosperity for the work that he's called us to do. He will grant us success in those things that he's laid out before us to do. Hallelujah. So then he comes on down and in verse 16, in the last part of verse 16, he tells Solomon, he says, arise and begin working and the Lord be with you. In other words, he's saying now it's time, Solomon, and I'm going to encourage you to start on the work, to get started, to arise. David is just about to pass off the scene here. He's just about to die. He's very old. He's accumulated all this massive, it talks about it here, all the millions and that hundred thousands of, of gold and silver and bronze and all of this. And he goes on and he talks about how uh, the gold, silver, bronze, and iron, there's no even no limit. In other words, David has worked very hard in these final years of his life to provide and to grant so that, that the, the things, the physical material things that Solomon's going to need to build the house are there and ready for him. And now he's saying, here it is. You can add to it, but here's, here's all that I've been able to accumulate in these last years of my life. Now it's time for you to get started. Here, arise and begin working. Did you know that that's still applicable for us today? Verse um, 19, it says, now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Therefore, arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord God. And he goes on and he talks about bringing the, the furniture and the vessels there and restoring that, that old tabernacle of Moses into the temple, that permanent structure. This still applies today to us. How, you might ask? Because the, the Word of God in the New Testament, Paul writes, and he tells us, Did you not know that your bodies are the temple of the living God? He wants us to build, and he wants, he wants his house, first and foremost, to be built in us. He wants to be the center of our lives and that we are the temple of God. He wants us to honor him, love him, and enjoy his presence and recognize that. But he also wants us to build his body, the church, by bringing souls to Jesus, people leading them to the Lord, and by edifying the living stones and the building of the spiritual house that God is doing. And uh, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read that, but that is found in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. I encourage you to read that because God is building his own spiritual house in and through us and with us. Peter says right there that we are living stones. So God is still calling upon us today to arise and build his house. Hallelujah. 23 and 24 give a lot of genealogies again and give a lot of details. But what's happening here is that David is listing out because there's going to have to be service in this temple. There's going to be, have to be daily service. There's going to have to be special things done at the festivals. There's going to have to be care taken to keep the building up and to, to, to keep it uh, clean and, and functioning and all of that. So David lays out the plan and the structure for that for King Solomon uh, that was coming later after him. So he lists the genealogy and the duties of the Levites who were to serve in Solomon's temple. That's in chapter 23. And their service, according to verse 27 and 28, consisted of helping the priest in the temple service, standing, notice this, standing every morning and every evening 
and at other special times, Sabbaths and new, moon, new moons, to thank the Lord. And did you know Psalm, one, uh, the psalmist wrote in Psalm 141.2, Let my prayer be set before you as incense, which happened in the evening sacrifice. It was the most beloved part of the entire day's service in the temple. <clears throat> and it says to let the lifting of my hands be pleasing in your sight and as the evening sacrifice. And that's what he's talking about here. Standing every morning and evening and at special times to thank the Lord by throwing up the hands, by lifting of the hands in thanksgiving to God. And then they were also to attend to the physical needs of the house of God by helping the priest. That was their job. And then in chapter 24, he goes into the courses. He lists out here 24 courses of orders for the priesthood. What this is telling us is that there were so many priests at that time that were called, and remember, sons of Aaron were the ones that had to be the priests. Only they could go into the holy place and worship and serve in the holy place, and only they could go one day a year, the high priest only, into the most holy place. So this is the listing of the priests only. They, were, they had to be sons of Aaron to be a priest. And so what David does is he sets them in 24 courses of duty because there were so many, they couldn't all serve at the same time. So this way, they had a weekly service. They would serve from one Sabbath to the next Sabbath, and they did it in a course of order. So it was like a routine, um, uh, regular schedule. It was almost like a rotating schedule. Let's say if you're a worship leader, for instance, you might have a you might have four different praise teams, and so every week of the month or so, you have a different praise team on duty. It's that way. There were 24 courses. They each served in their course of duty two times a year, and then for the three pilgrimage festivals. All priests were on duty. So that took the entire year, 51 um, weeks of the, the 30 days a month cycle that, that they observed. So that's how the priests were to operate during the Feast of Passover time period and Pentecost and Sukkot or Tabernacles. All priests had to come and serve for that week. But the rest of the year, they had one week in the in the um, first half of the year and one week in the second half of the year. And otherwise, they were able to be at their own homes and, you know, work their fields and raise their flock and their um, gross, you know, their food and, and things like that, groceries, and take care of those needs in their own homes, spend time with their families and those kinds of things. So this is what David is laying out, a structure here, a rotating schedule for them to serve. And I love this because this also forms the pattern for the priesthood of the believers. This chapter, chapter 24, sets out 24 courses for the entirety of the priesthood. When we come to the New Testament, we are told by Peter and by um, in Revelation chapter 5, that we are a kingdom of priests, or pre we have a priesthood. Peter says that we are a royal priesthood. We are priestly kings, so to speak, um, as descendants from the Lord, in a sense, that we've believed in him. We call him Abba, Father, and we've accepted the blood of Jesus. And so, um, so right now, we're serving as priests as well. 
and the 24 elders in the book of Revelation, I believe, are taken from this pattern right here. And they represent the entirety of the priesthood of the believer. Praise be to God. So even these Old Testament scriptures, there's so much richness in them. And Chronicles is, again, focusing on the worship of God. And so he's, he's telling us how that's getting uh, built, how that's being brought together, and he's taking us on that journey to teach us that. And um, so that was in his books and in the book of Nehemiah. So I pray that this has been a blessing to you today, and tomorrow we'll pick it back up again. God bless you in every way, I pray, and I hope you can join us again for future episodes of Bible Bites. God bless you, and thanks for joining in.